Yeah. My life is questions and assumptions and guesses All bottled in just one lesson Labeled in Sharpie, God's blessing yeah. No way that we go is a one-way street Nothing that we love is a one-day key And if we gon' do it, we gon' do this now How's it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren. I'm the host of the Willpower Podcast. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Nick Gilson. And Nick is the CEO of Gilson Snow, which is actually the fastest growing snowboard company. And it really is a pleasure to have him on. So Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Will. Of course. So to start off, I have to ask all my guests kind of the same question. Um, so what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? <laughs> Good question. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's always been all about the people. Um, you know, it's both the hardest part and the best part of the job. Um, it's the people in our community. It's the riders and skiers we build for. It's the people on our team. Uh, it's the people in our supply network that uh, get us great quality raw materials. It's everyone. And those relationships and, um, and, and those communities that we get to be a part of um, are really, uh, are, are really what, what you know, make it all worth it. Yeah, that's a great purpose. And so before you actually became the CEO of like this major snowboard company, I mean, what was your childhood like and what was it like growing up in your household? Good question. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was fortunate. I grew up uh, with brothers and sisters that, you know, I squabbled with, but largely got along with and, uh, and you know, care about and love and adore to this day. Um, parents uh, were uh, hardworking people and uh, still are. And my dad had uh, a side hobby and a workshop in the basement, which I then greatly benefited from. So he had a real uh, interest in boat design and fluid dynamics and um, and has built many boats throughout his life. And so from an early age, I found myself in that area and uh, playing with those tools and, and sort of uh, learning my way around the shop. And and that's where when I started to get interested in, in snow sports and board design and bringing those uh, fluid dynamics concepts from from water, H2O liquid over to H2O solid. Uh, you know, from pretty young age of, I think it was 14 years old or something when they started building the, the first uh, original prototypes, which, you know, wow. I can tell you that they worked, but I'm the only one who wrote them. And I'm, you know, obviously biased, so I wouldn't take my word for it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's pretty crazy that you were able to build your first one. You were 14 years old. So well, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure all your science teachers were pretty impressed with you by the time you got into high school and stuff like that. You know, I, I actually don't know if that's true. <laughs> Probably a little bit more capable in the in the workshop than I was in the classroom, at least during middle school. Yeah, that's totally relatable. So, I mean, you obviously had this really great background in designing these kind of things. So did you end up going to college or anything to learn more about the subject? Yeah, you know, and this idea had sat on the back burner for a long time. You know, when I was 14 years old, I had sort of romanticized the idea of starting a company without really having any clue what that actually meant. Um, and, you know, it wouldn't be for another 14, 15 years or whatever it is that uh, that we'd actually realize this at any meaningful scale. And, you know, another 10 years before I'd even return to the idea in a meaningful way. Um, and so, you know, it always sat on the back burner, it was, but it was never really the plan. Um, you know, Austin and I joked that we sort of, accidentally started the company because we were just working on this and we were really interested in the subject matter and um and sort of the company was then uh an inevitability that 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 grew out of that and sort of became a necessity to to keep doing the work um but uh but yeah so went to college at uh at johns hopkins and you know didn't go to go to college with the with the plan to start a company afterwards just you know, 
went to study what I was interested in. And, and that was um, at the time, Earth and Planetary Sciences with uh, major focus in, in the physics and um, and the chemistry side is what I was really interested in. And people used to, my friends used to make fun of me, be like, what on earth are you going to do with that? And you know, I had no real idea, but it was what I was interested in. I figured I'd do better in school if, uh, if it was subject matter that I cared about. And you know, the joke was ultimately on them because a few years later, I found myself teaching middle school science down in Nashville, Tennessee. And you know, I basically went to college for uh, you know college level middle school science. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is pretty crazy. And I really feel like a lot of people today, like they have these interests in starting a business, but they don't really know if they should go to college or continue to grow your business right out of high school. I think you're a perfect example of how you can still go to college and do some more um, internal research on what you want to do your business on, basically. And you can still do your business later in life, which you were able to do. And it obviously turned out to be very successful as well. Um, well, you know, it's an interesting thought. You know, I, I was I was young. I was 24 when we started the company. And um, and you know, that was in many ways you know, young, right? Not necessarily too young, but I didn't have yeah. a whole lot of life experience to lean on and, and really no muscle memory to speak of. You know, the median age for the successful, not not the median age for the entrepreneur, but the median age for the successful entrepreneur is actually closer to 50, it turns out, which is kind of fascinating. It, it shouldn't be deflating to anybody else, but it just shows that you know, a little bit of realism and muscle memory goes a long way. And, you know, I found myself being overly optimistic in the early days and, you know, finding out that things take twice as long and cost twice as much as you think. And, uh, you know, you got to keep your nose to the grindstone. So um, it's uh, it, it's sort of a, an interesting landscape. Yeah, I didn't realize that 50 was actually the mean age for entrepreneurship. That's pretty interesting. I thought it would be younger than that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's um, definitely a lot of pretty impressive uh, folks these days pulling that number down, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I really feel like age is becoming less important in today's digital world to like start a business and stuff like that because you don't need to go to like so many other places to get all this knowledge. Like especially in today's world, you've got YouTube and basically research anything you want to in a matter of seconds. Yep. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's really right. You know, when I was, I built my first surfboard when I was 14 years old. And, you know, I think unbeknownst to my parents and this package arrived on the doorstep and it was a 10 foot package with a surfboard blank and, uh, you know, the epoxy and fiberglass and a rasp and a couple of other tools to make it. And, you know, literally with with the, with FedEx and the Internet was able to teach myself how to do that. Right. And that was just to do that even a couple of decades earlier or, or even a decade earlier, you would have really needed an apprentice or someone to teach you. Um, and so, you know, this globalized world and this wealth of information that's stored at our fingertips that, you know, of course, needs to be sorted through to find out what's real and what's not. Um, but it does it does put um access to information and, and power at, in people's hands at a much younger age. Right. Yeah. Times are definitely changing. And so when you started your, your, your company at 24, were you still in college at that time or did you graduate from college? No, I'd actually been a science teacher, a middle school science teacher for uh, two years at that point. Okay. And when you made that switch over to entrepreneurship, I mean, like what was going through your mind at that time? Like, did you think it was really going to work deep down? Ah, <laughs> it's a roller coaster, you know. I think that, like, I think a big part of it is that there's a there's a there's a helpful amount of um, naivete that you can have that that will keep you moving forward to the point where you get past the point of no return, and then you have to put your, you know, nose to the grindstone and make it happen, right? Um, and uh, and so, you know, I think that if right around when we were forming the company, if someone had handed me a list of all the challenges we would face over the coming, you know. 
even three, five, seven years, whatever, uh, we may not have started the company. It would have been incredibly daunting, right? It would just wow. seem insane to do it. Um, and so, you know, I think we benefited in part by not having that list and not knowing what we'd face. And, uh, you know, I think in, in sort of the greater lesson there is that in life, you don't necessarily need to know for a fact that you know how to do what you want to do. You just need to have enough confidence in yourself that you're going to figure it out as you go. And you certainly want you know, to weigh your own skill sets um, accordingly and be realistic with yourself. But, you know, anyone who's trying to do anything that's um, that's uh, you know, audacious in any way or, or sort of big plans in any sort of way does not know when on the outset how they're going to do every step. It's, it's about right. figuring it out as you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it definitely worked out for you and your company. So that's that's awesome to cool. hear. We'll see, man. You know, there's no such thing as permanent competitive advantage, and every company's, uh, you know, only a phone call away. And as we've seen in the last uh, couple of months, certainly many companies, you know, are a phone call away. And um, and you know, three-year projections are out the window, and the landscape looks incredibly different, and the level of uncertainty in the marketplace is through the roof. And people are wondering in our space if mountains will even be able to open up next year, and and if they will, what does that look like? And so. You know, I think it's fascinating, right, that we we sort of talk about success as this line in the sand. And then once you get there, you can take a deep breath and relax because you've arrived. Um, but, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at the journey, um, that it doesn't really exist. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of always... Um, we're lucky that we get to keep doing what we want, but it's always a, you know, we, we, we can't take our eye off... Uh, off our values and we can't take our eye off our, our goals for, for a second without, you know, losing control of the ship. You know, there's, there's no resting on any such laurels yet. Certainly not for us. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to be able to adapt in the business world, like you said. And so one of the things that really was interesting about your company is that you're now the fastest growing snowboard company. I mean, there's a lot of snowboard companies out there, but to see that you guys are like the fastest growing, is just really impressive. So how were you guys able to go from this being a small company, just starting out, to be a company that's completely dominating like your section of, of the business world? Well, yeah, you know, so fastest growing is a really different thing than being the biggest, right? And so when you talk about fastest growing, it's, you know, it's a rate of growth as well. And so it's yeah. easier, the smaller you are, the easier it is to be the fastest growing. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a state that we've enjoyed and a really rapid growth rate. And we've done our best to keep up with production and everything else we've got going on. And, and, um, and you know, are 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 incredibly thankful for the community that's um, that supported us. And uh, and you know, when I look to the things that you know, I would attribute to to the success so far, and 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 to to this growing the way that it has, I, you know, it, it's originally we would have talked only about technology, right? We would have talked all about the design of the skis and snowboards and uh, the Gilson edge and the curvature there, and how that engages with the snow and changes the performance. And all of that really is relevant. Because uh, it does change the ride, and and at least for the people in our community, they believe that it makes it a much more fun and engaging experience on the mountain with a board that's really high performance, tons of control, new maneuvers, etc. Right. But what what I think's really um, driven the growth of the company in many ways has been uh, the way in which the community interacts with each other and with us. Right. It's something new. It's something different. Um, when you look at most other snowboards, the biggest differentiator is the artwork on them. And, uh, and, you know, when someone sets foot on our board, whether they like it or not, they're going to have a radically different experience from anything they've ever felt before. Um, and, you know, so I think that that's really important and that's allowed for 
you know, on top of the technology, right, is this, this sort of the sharing and the, the, the friends telling friends, like, you got to try this. Um, that's, that's made a big difference. And then, you know, I think for us, it's on the people side on our team, it's been making sure that we keep really just wonderful, good, solid people around who really care about their work and are in it for the right reasons. And then we connect them directly to our community, um, you know, skipping distributors and warehouses and all the rest of that. So we're building for people themselves. We're building for skiers and we're building for snowboarders um, as opposed to warehouse shelves. And that's allowed us to make really you know, direct and meaningful relationships with people in our community, which I think has, um, you know, just been more fun for us, but also helped to uh, sort of solidify the foundation of our work and, and having it be relevant in the space. Yeah. So would you say that building like great connections with your customers would be like the leading cause of your guys' success so far in your business? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to tease it apart, right? You know, it, it's all speculation because as as much as we care about um, really understanding our business and how it works and what matters to people, uh, you know, and, and data, even really valuable data at the end of the day, is still subject to interpretation. So, you know, I think that the the most honest answer is hard to say, but I got to imagine that that's really got to be a pretty big piece of it. Yeah, yeah, I I can definitely see that. And so another thing that really interested me about your company or about you is that so you went to college and you didn't really get that degree in business, but then you were still able to launch the business after you were a teacher and stuff like that. So where did you learn to pick up the business side of things in your company? Yeah, well, so it's an interesting question, right? Because when you when people talk about business, um, there's a lot of things that you can go to school for, right? Like you can go to school to learn how, you know, a balance sheet works or how a profit and loss statement works and how to read it and analyze it. You can learn, you know, about taxes and codes and, you know, about legal considerations and different corporate structures and ways to form. And, you know, all of that stuff is relevant, but really when you boil a business down to its basics, what it is, all it is, is it's a group of people, usually sometimes it's one person who have a vision for a North star, right? Some future state that's different than, than what it looks like right now and and you want to build it together right and you've got um and you've got not you you may have conflict about what's the best way to build it but you all agree on one goal and that's that we're building this thing this is what we want it to look like and and then and then and then things are going to happen and there's going to be a narrative and there's going to be a story and if you look at human existence you know over the last tens of thousands of years, it's been, it's been narrative story-based storytelling, right? Around a campfire or wherever else. And that's still true today. You know, humans can, you know, conform, contort their brains to be able to process spreadsheets, et cetera. But where you're know, sort of evolutionarily, where we, our baseline, where we exist is in storytelling and it's where we thrive. It's what we do for fun. We go out for drinks and dinner and we share stories with each other. Right. And so building a business in many ways, um, is, is about, caring about something enough with a group of people to start working towards that and then telling other people what you're working on and then them sharing that with their friends. And then at some point it has to, there has to be a, a monetization because humans have invented this thing called money and it's, it's like oxygen, you know, without, without, without oxygen, you cannot continue to live as a person, right? But we don't live to breathe. Businesses in my mind are the same way. You know, you can't, uh, you can't build a business without money, right? It's the oxygen, it's the lifeblood. It delivers <laughs> the oxygen to the appropriate organs. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, you don't, you don't just make a business to make money in the same way that you don't just live to breathe. 
Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think a lot of kids today, like they still go to college and try to get that business degree to learn about business. But I mean, in my mind, like I think it's more important to actually just start doing it because no matter how much you learn, you're never going to get that full grasp of that subject unless you actually go out and do it and physically do it. And I think that's extremely important. Well, yeah, you know, there's many ways to build a business and and having an MBA and a business degree and being able to sharpen your pencil and, you know, analyze the marketplace to find the greatest opportunity is a very you know, well proven path to success. Um, you know, another path to success is sort of the passion based work where you get super sucked into an idea that you just love and can't imagine not working on to the point where you quit your other job. And then you have to figure out how to make money while doing this so you can keep doing it. And then eventually you have to build a business model. Right. Those are both, you know, well proven pathways to success of business, but they really are very different. And, you know, who's to say if one's better than the other? Um, you know, I think they're both valid. Right. Yeah. And so another part of the whole business I like to look at is the partner side of it, because a lot of people that I brought on my podcast, you know, some of them have just done it all by themselves. And more of them, most of them, though, have actually had partners help them along the way. Like you said, you, I think his name is Austin that helped you out with your business. And so I'm just curious, like, how do you think the partnership has really helped you rather than if you just did it individually or just by yourself? So partnerships is is a real. It's an interesting you ask this question because it's sort of the the like the underlying um, thesis of of how I operate and how we operate, right? Is that partnership is is it, it, it comes back to the first comment about people, right? It's all about people, about partnerships, about alignment, and and throughout history, a lot of people have sort of got had this idea that business is about competition and it's about you know hurting the other one so you can do better. And of course, there are competitors in business, but you barely ever even interact with them. The folks you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, they're your customers, they're your, you know, they're they're your bankers, they're your accountants, they're you know, who do you not want to win there? They're they're your teammates, they're your suppliers, right? You want all these people to win. Everyone you interact with just about in business, you want them to win. And so they're all partners and you all want your partners to win, and your partners all want you to win if you're really building an intelligent business network. Um, and so, you know, partnerships are important on the personal level. Uh, you know, I have uh, I'm sort of uh, recklessly optimistic, right, which is important for setting big goals. But then I need someone like Austin to bring me back down to the land of what's really feasible within the next you know, week and three weeks and two months. Right. And then and so we we bounce off each other and, and we go bigger because of me and we, we actually get it done because of Austin. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's sort of this this balance that I think is really important. And, and Austin's not a pessimist, but he absolutely is a realist. Um, and, you know, I think when we think about partnerships on, on the company side, you know, Gilson Snow wouldn't be where it is today without, you know, our partners at Hasbro, right, with Transformers and G.I. Joe and My Little Pony and with, you know, our, our friends at the NHL, right, with the hockey teams and with MLB coming online this summer and, and each one of these partnerships, right? These are massive, massive entities with really valuable, um, meaningful brands and and by getting to work with folks like this and by forming partnerships like this, it rapidly legitimizes our work, um, you know, in the eyes of, of the greater snow sports community, which has been invaluable. Right. Otherwise, like you said, we're just, uh, you know, a couple of kids building snowboards in our garage. Right. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think it is important to have people to help balance out like your skill sets, basically. And that's what Austin does for you, which is awesome to see. And I think I do agree with like partnerships are really important to have in your business, but it's also important to realize how to actually get them. So like, how would you recommend people go about with their business and how to actually find 
partnerships to come into their business? I, you know, it's a really good question. And there's a lot of textbooks out there about, you know, what the what the 10 step process is to get there. And, you know, I, I can't speak to whether or not that works. You know, for me, in my experience, it's been entirely about staying kinetic and serendipity. And, and what I mean by that is um, the kinetic part, which is just that if you're doing a lot, if you're talking a lot to people, if you're telling your story a lot, if you're just sharing what you're thinking about a lot and, you know, it's 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 compelling. Um, you're just you, with high kinetic energy, right? Like a, a, a molecule that's heated up just moves faster and it crashes into more other molecules, right? Whereas a cold molecule sort of stays slow and doesn't move much, right? So just same thing is true for people and partnerships, right? If you're just high kinetic energy, you're, you're sharing your story in a compelling way with other people, um, in time, you will, you will increase your number of connections and number of interactions. And, and, and at some point serendipity will kick in and there'll be a phenomenal fit and you'll find someone or you know, someone or some other business that you just can't imagine going forward without. And when that happens, it doesn't matter if you can't write the job description. It doesn't matter if you don't know how that person fits into the organization right that instant. Um, you know, those are the types of people who you, you, you set like a big goal with, right? And you say, all right, run, and I'm not gonna get in your way. I'm just your thought partner. Um, and, uh, and, and it doesn't happen all that often, but, but those opportunities definitely happen more often to people, to people who are really kinetic, sharing their story, interacting and communicating with lots of other people. Um, but again, that's, that's based strictly on my own experience and, and sort of explains only one avenue. Um, and, and it happens to be the one that fits naturally with my personality type, but it doesn't mean that it's the right path for everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think your experience is pretty valid seeing that you have a really successful company. So that's awesome. And I really like what you said about the whole kinetic energy part, because I'm reading um, a couple of books right now and taking courses. And one of the things that they'll say basically is that when you go out, you know, try to meet new people whenever you can, like meet two people every time you go out, because you never know who that person's going to be. And like you said, once you start moving around and doing more things, like you get more movement with the molecules and then more stuff can happen down the road. I think that's the most important thing. And I think that a lot of people don't really do that. Like they just stay stagnant. Like you said, don't create a lot of movement and then they don't see a lot of action coming their way in life. Yeah. Well, you know, static energies uh, or static frictions, uh, the most powerful kind of friction, right? Um, you, you want the old adage goes, you want something done, ask a busy person. Right. And, and it's really true. Um, it can be, it can be hard to start moving, but you know, it's, it's kind of like running when, when you start jogging, the first day is just miserable. And then the second day is still miserable, but it's a little bit better. And then three weeks later, if you miss a day, you feel awful. Right. And, and it becomes part of your routine. Um, and you know, that's also not true for everybody, but for the people that love to run, it certainly is. And, you know, I think that being kinetic and working hard and being excited and, and, um, and, and really being excited about your future, uh, is one of, and the future that you're building with your team is one of the most important, important things to attracting talent and attracting partners at every level. Right. Yeah. And, people- and so, you know, I just want to jump back to you for a little bit. I mean, you've been going at this for a while. And like you said, when you're 14 years old, you built your first snowboard. So how do you maintain that constant, um, motivation to do what you're doing like every day? Yeah. Good question. Again, I, this, and this, this may start to sound like a broken record, but this comes back to the people, right? Is that, that, that there are obviously highs and lows, right? There are days where I am the source of energy and other people in the company are, are supercharged because of how high energy I am, right? And, and then there are other days where 
I where I need the company and the other people in the company to sort of bring my energy back up because I'm low. And, you know, I think it's uh, it's complete everything when you're building a company. Joe, Joe Calloway, a, a really bright business uh, writer, a number of years ago told me this, and I think it's brilliant. It's just everything is normal. And I didn't really understand it at the time. But but the point is that everything is normal, no matter how weird stuff gets, how different and strange and bizarre and crazy um, things get. It's totally normal because when you're building a business, everything is normal. Things are going to go sideways. Right. And um, and it's sort of just the, the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Making everything seem like on a normal level. And so I love what you keep saying about how people can really bring up your energy and your motivation for your business every day. You know, I think a lot of people, they're kind of surrounded by pessimistic people like in their everyday life, in their inner circle, in their family. And so how would you recommend they deal with these kind of people that just keep on breaking on these pessimistic vibes and keep hating on these huge goals that they have and stuff like that? Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd uh... I hope I hope it's not it's not all that bad. I hope that you know I think it's true that there are that there are certain there's certain certainly resistance and 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 sometimes resistance can come from the people that are closest to you. Um, no question about that. Yeah, I, one of my greatest friends in the world, oldest friends in the world, uh, Ben Anderson, who runs a company called Amino, um, told me the other he made the point to me the other day. He said people hate to lose more than they like to win. Hmm. Which yeah. is really, and just it's sort of an interesting point of sort of homo sapien psychology, right? Is that people hate to lose more than they like to win. And so that breeds a, the, the potential. That's something that you need to sort of constantly work against then, right? And if you know that sort of about our species, right, then, then that's something that you can actively um, uh, keep in your mind and remind yourself of at a time when you're feeling low or you're feeling like the risks may outweigh the rewards. And maybe that's true. And there are plenty of times where the risks outweigh the rewards, you know, of new opportunities that we look at, you know, of every hundred, we probably take three to the next stage of learning more and, and one we actually pursue, right? So we say no most of the time, but you got to ask yourself, am I saying no for the right reasons or am I saying no because of the way my brain is evolutionarily hardwired? Right. Yeah, that's a really interesting quote, actually, the one you just said about how people hate to lose more than they want to win. And I really think that that goes back to like some of the haters that come out in like people's lives because they see you with these big goals, big intentions, and they really, you know, deep down, they really don't want you to win. And I think that that is kind of imminent for a bunch of haters that, you know, impact some of the people's lives, like you said. So how do you deal with the haters in your life and the people that say that like, you know, you can't build a giant snow company. You can't become like a great CEO. How do you deal with those people? Um, you know, I think that's uh, a good question, right? It, you want to, you always want to be open to feedback and you never want to close your mind down to the information you're getting back from people in your community, especially people you respect and trust. And so the answer is not just to write it off, right? The answer I think is to filter it. And, uh, you know, People, in fact, you know, kids younger than me, right? I'm, I'm 31 now and, and people younger than me are far better at deciphering what's real on the internet and what's not. You know, I'm good, right? I'm good, but like my, my sister's innate, right? And people in, in her age group are absolutely innate with it. And, and you know, I have to work at it. And so, um, you know, I think, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's really what, what it is, you know, you just, 
you gotta yeah. be, you gotta be thoughtful and and you've got you, you you don't ignore it you you listen to it and you absorb it and and you discard the stuff that you know isn't relevant and then you move right. on. yeah and, and i, I don't think that make you cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i kind of think that goes back to kind of to like constructive criticism as well because not all things are meant to really hurt you but it is constructive criticism and you should take it into account just so you can make yourself and your business better in the future and so I, I think that's important as well um yeah but you know there's definitely hate out there right like you can you can go find you know some people who have many of them never even ridden a gilson but who who just love to hate right and there's this fascinating study um that came out actually out of a, a research group based out of china that found that hateful comments on social media spread with 70 percent more effectiveness than positivity and positive comments, which is just a fascinating, another fascinating wow. number, right? And when you think about that, it, it just makes sense, right? You got to work really, really hard to spread positivity, and you don't even have to work that hard to spread negativity. Um, and so, you know, it, it's sort of important to keep that, I think, on the on the back burner as well as uh, as you wade through some of uh, some of the hate that that can get out there. And you know, we've we've dealt with our fair share of it. You know, and it's definitely gotten me low before, no question, but. Um, you know, I've, I've bounced back relatively quickly every time because I, you know, I just think about the other people that really care about our work, really care about what we're doing, really love the snowboards and skis that they're ripping around on and uh, and experiencing the outdoors in winter. And, you know, I remember who we're here for and we can't be here for everybody. So right. feedback's yeah. important, but, you know, you got to know who you're here for. Yeah. And I got to say, man, that would be such a sad lifestyle if you just spent all day hating on other people on social media. Like that would just be pathetic and really sad. So um, so I, I kind of want to jump back to your personal life here for a little bit. I mean, so you're now a CEO of a pretty big company. So I'm just curious, like what does your daily schedule look like? Uh, good question. Uh, you know, it, it varies quite a bit. It depends on the time of the year. It depends on the latest projects. Um, you know, it, at one point in the company's history, it meant that I was building snowboards every day and, uh, you know, and, and working on skis. And then it was designing new machines and equipment. And then it was the organizational engineering, um, figuring out where things go, is the, figuring out where, where, where people can reach their full potential and how to you know, intelligently build a communicating business and all the rest of it. Right. And and then it was the. Um, and then it was, you know, at times the financial engineering of figuring out how to actually make the this you know three dimensional chess uh, set work, right? And you know, yeah. so it's a lot of different things. You know, it's it's interesting. In this position, you um, you know, it, it, you're 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 sort of better off knowing um, enough about a lot of different fields to keep up and integrate across fields without being a total subject matter expert, right? So like you can integrate what the lawyers are saying with what the accountants are saying with what you know your marketing and sales folks are saying right and 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 then and then make a decision for the holistic organization right which is really different than being a subject matter expert so you know i think um you know i, I know that this is sort of a, a generalization I, I can give you more specifics if you'd like but the most important part of my job is keeping a bunch of different people who are super talented subject matter experts all aligned and pulling the boat in the same direction with the same goal and all super excited about what we're building together. Wow. Yeah. I mean, no, that was definitely a great answer. So that's good. Um, so I just got one more question for you before we end here. So 
Yeah. You know, in your personal life, I mean, what do you want your legacy to be when, like, your great-grandchildren look at you in a history book? Like, what do you want your legacy to be? Ooh, this is going to be an interesting question for me. I honestly don't care. <laughs> you don't care? No, I mean, I do, right? I, 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 want, I care way more about what I'm known for, known for right now, right? I want to be known as someone who's intelligent and kind and, and takes care of the people in the organization and, you know, the partners around him win, right? Because he works hard and is honest and treats people very well, right? I care about that way more than what people say about me, you know, a couple of generations after I'm dead. And, you know, this is evidenced by the fact um, that, and I've asked this in a number of lecture halls and it talks before where you, you ask the question, how many people in the room can name, you know, their grandparents and, and what they did with their lives? And, you know, everybody's hand goes up just about and, well, how about their parents, right? And these are your great grandparents and, you know, some hands come down. And then by the time you get to great, great grandparents, people don't even even know their names, let alone um, what they did with their lives, right? And, and it's sort of, it's just sort of a shock, you know, a couple hands stay up in the room. And it's just a shocking realization that not only do our own direct descendants forget about us, right? But like, so does everybody else. And even Einstein at some point will be forgotten and the geological timescale. And so, what could possibly matter more than right now and the people you love and care about and the work that you love and care about? Um, and, uh, and so for me, I care far more about what's happening now and over the next number of years that we get to experience this life um, as opposed to the legacy I leave when I will almost certainly be forgotten even by my own descendants. Man, that was pretty deep. Not going to lie, but that was good. Um, so I actually lied. I have one more question I want to ask you. So what do you want your company's legacy to be by the time you retire? That's a great question. You know, I, I hope we continue to do, we, we, we're a creative group, right? We've, we've, I'm lucky to work with people far more intelligent than me. And, and every day I'm blown away by the types of things these folks are thinking about. And so for me, you know, I, 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 it, again, it comes back to the people, right? We need to keep building really high quality, uh, high performance gear for the people in our community. And we need to keep being for that, you know, for them there on, on everything from, from you know, engaging, taking care of the customer service and any problems, with the products, all of that, right? We need to just be best in class on that all the time um, with customer experience. That matters so much to us. Uh, but you know, in the bigger picture, I, you know, I, I hope we get to, to, to work on some cool new projects too. You know, this is, um, we're having a ton of fun with snowboards and skis and, uh, and, and man, things are, things are moving and shaking and, and hopefully, um, hopefully we get to keep building more cool stuff together. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely sounds like you're really having fun doing what you're doing and that's very important. And it also sounds like your company has a great purpose. And that's also really important. So I just can't wait to see where your company goes in the future. I know for a fact that it's going to do really well. And so that's just awesome to hear. And so before we run out of time, would you like to, do you have anything to say? Anything? Yeah, well, I've very much enjoyed uh, jumping on and chatting with you today. This is, um, this has been excellent. And, uh, you know, we, Pennsylvania is uh, an incredibly important place to us. It's where our roots are. And it's, you know, when we talk about community and the people that took us under their wing uh, to, uh, when we were building this business, man, we wouldn't be here without the people in our in our local area and, and in Pennsylvania. And so, um, you know, I was absolutely thrilled when you reached out about jumping on this podcast with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks for thinking of us. No problem. Go PA. <laughs> there you go.
All right, guys, there you have it. Nick Gilson, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Will. Bye-bye. This episode was sponsored by Ruben Alvarez from In For The Kill Podcast. Check out his YouTube channel for product reviews, mindset videos, and interviews. For me, yeah. My life is questions and assumptions and guesses. All bottled in just one lesson. Labeled in Sharpie, God's blessing. Yeah. No way that